you join me by turning to Acts chapter 20, but halfway through this chapter in verse 17, and I'm going to read beginning in verse 17 in just a moment. Last Sunday... I said to you, Faith Church, I said to myself, to us elders who are called to watch over the church, give yourself to serving the Lord. Sincerely, personally, at times painfully, Paul did with with tears and trials and with great sacrifice. This morning, I want to talk to you about one of the primary ways in which you are served by the Lord, in which we serve the Lord, and we do so with the content that is spoken, heard, and meditated on instructed, explained, declared, and proclaimed the Word of God. I want us to, would you follow along as I read verses 17 through the end of the chapter? Again, we get the setting for it right away in verse 17. It says, now that, now from Miletus, he that's being, that's the Apostle Paul, he sent to the Ephesians, And he called the elders, the shepherds, the leaders of the church to come to him. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now... Behold, I am going to Jerusalem. I am constrained by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city, imprisonment and affliction awaits me. But I do not account my life any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course And the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom of God will see me face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know 
that after my departure, fierce wolves, that's people, teachers, will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to, depart, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering for three years. I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourself know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we may help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's the end of his address. And then Paul, or Luke records this. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all of this, of the words he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Again, Faith Church, give your life Give your family life, your work life, the years, the short years that you have on this life, whether they be another 80 years or eight, to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And do so by giving yourself to the ministry of the Word. If you don't, If we do not commit ourselves to giving ourselves to the ministry of this word, this church, and we will not last or make a lasting difference. Isaiah says, and Peter quotes Isaiah, All flesh is like grass, and its beauty is like the flower of the field. All people are just their grass, their flesh. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord, our God, stands forever. I want you to see, do you see in these verses Paul's priority of the word? When in verse 24 he says, but I do not count, account my life of any value nor as precious to me. Retirement, not that important. Uh, A nice country club living in the Roman Empire, not that important. What I count as important, not my health, not my family life, what I count as important is that I would finish, he says in verse 24, I would finish my course of ministry that I've received from the Lord, and he says it is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. 
And this entire section of chapter 20 shows us how much Paul prioritized the ministry of the Word. If you took your highlighter out, and, and if you did with an underliner, you'll see as we walk through different parts of this passage this morning, you're going to see, oh, there's Word. There's a reference to Word. There's another reference to Word. Paul was obsessed by this. It controlled his life. And this morning... I want to bring to you something that I think is so important, so eternally important to me and to you, and that is the ministry of the Word, in which you say, what do you mean, Pastor Daniel, by the ministry of the Word? I think I know what you mean. What do you mean? I hope I answer that question by these six observations that I I want to give you this morning about the ministry of the Word in Acts 20. And, And I'm going to group them in threes. I want us to see the ministry of the word, its servants, activity, and threats, and then its source, content, and value. So we're going to work through that. We're going to see its servants, its activity, its threats, then its, where do we get it? Its source, its content. What is the ministry of the word? What what does it contain? And why is it valuable? Why is it so important to count everything else is unvaluable compared to the value of this. Okay, let's start. It's servants. The servants of the ministry of the word. We look at, you can see right away at the verse 17, he called the elders. The elders are first and foremost called to the ministry of the word. You have elders in your church. I'm one of your elders. I'm also called the senior pastor. I'm a, on paid staff along with Pastor Mike. And we have other elders, Jay Caldwell and Jason Moles and Dan Hilliker, who just prayed, and Lee Mundy, who's again in the hospital with his father, who are called and commissioned, and we're going to see this next week. We are called by the Holy Spirit to be overseers. Verse 28 The Holy Spirit has made us overseers to care for the church of God. And we are to do that as servants ministering the word. The elders of the church are shepherd leaders of the church. With Christ as our head, not the the elders. The term elder in the New Testament is used interchangeably with the term pastor or shepherd. And overseer, which is is also the word bishop. And the elders and pastors are called to lead. Some are paid, some are not. It's used almost always in a plural sense, meaning there are multiple elders in a church. Because there are, I mean, even in a smaller church of 150 or 200, not 2,000, there are souls that need to be known and cared for and watched over. And how can one person adequately do that? God calls many to do that. And they do that as servants of the word. I want to just, though not spend much time on this, I want you to know that not only are the elders or the deacons help the elders with this, or that all of the congregation is called in many ways to be servants of the ministry of the word. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 that he gave pastors and teachers, verse 11 of Ephesians 4, to equip The saints, that's you, 
The saints in the New Testament are not some special category of Christian believer, but all Christians who have been rescued and saved by the gospel, and you are to be equipped to, this is his words, Paul's words, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body, that's the, of Christ, that's the church, until all of the church attains a unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, where do you get knowledge of the Son of God? You get it through the ministry of the Word. Until to, so that we can grow to maturity, to, to become like Christ, so that we won't be like children tossed to and fro, and so that we will speak the truth in love. You see, every one of you, young people, teenagers, Children and adults and seniors, every one of us are servants of the ministry of the word. And I want you to see that this is not just for you to like help select future elders. Or maybe you'll be an elder because that's your calling. But all of us are called to this kind of ministry of the word to some degree or not. The elders primarily, we're going to see this more next week. But also all of us, the servants but I want you to see, what's the activity? What, do, what, do, what does the ministry of the word pertain in its, its action? Well, let's just walk through. If you'd look at the, if you have your Bibles open in chapter 20, beginning in verse 20, I'm just going to just bounce to different places. Do you see? Verse 20, it says, I was declaring to you all, and, he, and, and teaching you in public, in house to house, verse 20. In verse 21, testifying, verse 24, to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. 24, proclaiming the kingdom. Verse 27, declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Verse 31, night or day, admonish everyone with tears. And so the activity is a a opening your mouth and saying something. It's a word activity. It's an activity that teaches and declares and admonishes. That means to very personally and caringly interact in someone's life and plead with them with warnings from God's word out of compassion and care to heed God's word and turn a direction if they're going in a bad direction, or maintain and continue on and watch out. And he says here, it was a public, what I'm doing right now, I am teaching you publicly, verse 20, and from house to house, small groups, or in coffee shops, or at a cafe, or maybe through text messages or phone calls, or Zoom, or whatever it else is, getting in someone's life and having a conversation and helping walk them through the Word of God. Paul told Timothy, a pastor, I charge you in the presence of God, meaning he's, he's watching, and he's going to judge you someday. Elders, he's going to judge us in a spe specific way someday for this. Preach the word. We do a weird thing to this our society. We sit here, I give you a monologue for 45 minutes. I mean, who does that and pays attention? Some of you don't. A lot of you do for most of the time. I, I remember as a kid being so helped 
by my parents teaching me to have notes, bringing a notebook, and I, I think I still have those. And my pastor usually had outlines. I try to have outlines so you could actually write down the main points. They're even on the screen. They didn't have that back in the day. And you can write, and it helps you pay attention, and God used that in my life. That's public. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out. Reprove. And I'm to rebuke. I'm to exhort with complete patience and with teaching. Because there's going to come a time when some people will not pay attention and they will not like this ministry at all. If you were to look at Jesus' ministry, Jesus did great miracles, works of love and care and compassion. But if you look in Mark chapter 1, he is constantly focused not on his miracle working, healing the sick and helping the poor, though he was going to do that. He knew they needed something far more important. It says in Mark chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 that he was proclaiming the gospel of God. And he was teaching and he was calling them to repent and believe. In Mark, at the end of Mark chapter 1, it says... They were all looking for him after he got up really early in the morning and he was off with his father. And the disciples said, everyone's looking for you. And he said, let us now go. And I need to preach elsewhere. He was passionate about this ministry of the word because this is the way that God gives us life. We sang about it in the last song. Where else will we go? You are the words of eternal life. Words. God uses words to bring life to us. Now, there is activity of the ministry of word at this church. It's happening right now on Sunday mornings. And I just, I plead with you to make the most out of this. You will make my sermon better by praying for me. You will make this time better by preparing your heart's week and getting a good night's sleep, by praying for the ministry of the word. You will be blessed by the ministry of the word by taking notes and even jotting something down to say, oh, I need to meditate on this later today or this week. I can't let that go, go out one ear or out the other. I need to focus and put my attention. I need to send a message of question to Pastor Daniel or to Pastor Jason or Mike, whoever's preaching. I need to discuss this in life group. The ministry of the word happens right now. It happens in Sunday school before us. Guys, we have a nine o'clock hour of which there is the ministry of the word. It's happening in our, our parenting class. It's happening in this room right here in which right now they just began studying how, what does God's word say about God's word. You need to know. Don't think you have fully understand that. After Labor Day, they're going to talk about the attributes of God from God's word. How much do you need that? Then they're going to talk about creation. And then they're going to go into inductive Bible study of how do I learn to study the Bible for myself in a helpful way so I can interpret it in context. After Christmas, about God's kingdom and what does that mean? His kingdom coming and the supremacy of the king and the promises of the king. And he, the king is a servant. And yet, far too often, many of you do not value or make this a priority. I'm not here to shame you or guilt trip you unless God's wanting to do that. But I'm saying is, do you value and treasure the ministry of the word? It's 
priceless. It happens on Wednesday night as we go verse by verse through scripture. It happens in a youth group with Pastor Mike as he's teaching books of the Bible and practical other things on Wednesday and Sunday morning. Nine o'clock teens meet. Sunday, Wednesday night, 645, we study here and they study there and the kids club studies and here's God's word as Jason pours out his heart to these young ones. Right now, there's ministry of the word happening right down the hall with these kids, and it is beautiful and glorious, and those teachers need to be prayed for, lifted up, and some of you need to join their ranks. It is not just a, oh, they need somebody, I need to fill in, volunteer. I hope at the end of this message you see it is a glorious and an important and vital calling worth you sacrificing a ton to invest in. Our life groups, where we talk about the sermons, because not one of you could say, by listening one time to a sermon, you got it all. I don't. The Bible studies that take place with the ladies on Tuesdays and the Saturday men's Bible studies, the talking and sharing among one one another that happen impromptu, and man, you want to start another one, start another one. The ministry of the word that will take place in hospitals and took place in hospitals this week where you went in and read scripture to Gordon or to someone else. Text messages or WhatsApp notes or things on the Realm website. Bill Fuse, he's going to go this afternoon to do the ministry of the word in the Livingston County jails. Brian and Heather ministering the word and helping equip, train pastors and Christians in Cameroon, Africa. I just, I just want to end by just saying, even though I already touched on this, our ministry to our children in teaching is massive. And I pray that from the nursery all the way to... I guess, senior citizens, we will so treasure and value the ministry of the word. We will put our children into it, and we will accompany it at home constantly, and we will prioritize it, all of us, to say, yes, I've learned stuff like that before, but I need to go deeper and dig because I know God has something for me. That's the activity of the word. I want you to see the threats of the word from this passage. There are threats to the ministry of the word, and they, they're scattered throughout this passage as Paul addresses and talks to these elders. Do you see the inter- internal threat that the preacher or the pastor or the leader has? Look at verse 20. He says, I didn't shrink from, I didn't hesitate or shrink or hold back from declaring to you All that which is profitable. Or verse 27, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. What's the point of this? He's saying, there is a temptation, a threat in my own heart to hold back unpopular truths. It is not comfortable always to tell people they're in a bad position and they need to change. They need to grow up. They need to turn direction. They need to know they're bad and they need help and rescue. They need to know that that practice is sin, that this is wrong, that what God's word says, no matter what this culture says, 
And he says, I didn't hold back speaking uncomfortable or unpopular truths. An old Puritan once said this, here are two things which I've always looked on as difficult. The one is to make the wicked sad and to make the godly joyful. He was writing that to comfort. He was going to write a book of comfort and says, I want to help the joyful become glad. I mean, I want the godly to become joyful. The godly are afflicted by many trials. I want to help them find joy in God. But he's saying there's another ministry that's hard too. It's to make the wicked sad. Because if we are in a state of wickedness, meaning we're not living for the Lord, we're turned away from God, we are choosing the wrong way, we're in a wicked state, and it, it would not be good for us to continue in a happy state being wicked, being, going our own direction. It is the grace of God when this book preached makes us really convicted, really overwhelmed, really miserable, so we can find the healing balm of the gospel and his forgiveness and grace that comes with repentance. There's a threat that all of us have. Have you felt that threat come on you when you know that you should tell somebody some truth, but you're just embarrassed because you don't want to get accused of being holier than thou, or they know that you're not perfect and you know you're not perfect, and you just you hold back, you, you shrink back, from declaring what you should say. Now, we need to say it with love and care and relationship. But there, there's that threat. There's another threat, Paul says. And that threat was external. This is the history of the church. And that is where he says, he says, trials have happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Verse 23, the Holy Spirit testifies that I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And when I go to Jerusalem, imprisonment and afflictions are awaiting me because they do not like that I am saying that Christ is Lord and Savior, the one you crucified. He is the true Messiah. It completely upends all that they have going on. It ruins all of their plans. It disrupts them. And Satan is provoking them to oppose Paul and until the end of the age, Satan, the world, and the flesh will always oppose this message and there will be a threat from outside in order to keep us from doing what we need to do. We need to be, accept the fact that we will be shamed, persecuted, ignored, mocked, sometimes hurt, and like some, even imprisoned and killed like is happening even today. There's also the threats uh, within leadership. He says, now watch out because there's a threat. Be really careful. We're going to see this next week more. Fierce wolves will come in. And they're going to try to twist the truth. They're going to speak twisted things. They're going to draw away disciples after them. Be careful. Watch out. We are to watch out, and I am too, and you are to watch out. All of us are to watch out together. The elders are to watch out we got to watch out. There's dangers everywhere of deception and lies that take a lot of things that are in this Bible but add to it and take on worldly re distortions, deceptions, distractions. We have to watch out for all those things. 
making light of sin and embracing the grace of God and not embracing the grace of God. Those are, those are things we've got to watch out for. We need to watch out for the believe-in-yourself mentality that this culture just fully embraces. We don't believe in ourselves. We believe in Him and His grace in our lives. We have to watch out for, let's, let's embrace our life and pursue our best life now. Or you can do anything you put your mind to. Or the answer is politics, Republican or Democrat, whatever. There are just so many things. While, while having some truth and nuance to it can be so wrong as the world teaches it. So Paul says to us the ministry of the word, and he lets us know of its servants and its activity and its threats. But I want you to see, really most importantly, its source and content and value Look at the source. Where, does, where do we get the ministry of the word? I'm calling you. I'm saying you have ministry of the word today, this week. Where do we get it? And I know you know the answer. The one who initiates calls and sanctions and commissions and commands and empowers Pastor Daniel to preach. If, if I have any value, it's because he commissions and helps me. Or anyone else in this church teaching the word, it is... The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Verse 24, look at, he says, I have a course and a ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus Christ. Or in verse 28, the Holy Spirit makes you overseers. This is a profound reality that there are six elders in your church that according to Scripture, if they are rightly appointed and rightly qualified, God, the Holy Spirit has made them overseers. And when you prayed for them and you affirmed them and committed and pledged yourself to submit to them, and they pledged themselves to Christ and to shepherding you, the Holy Spirit was so commissioning all of us to watch over. This is a work of God. And oh, Elders, may we take this charge so carefully and seriously and with the weight it has. And in congregation, there's no way we can faithfully do this without your prayers, your help, your love. I praise God that while we shepherd you, we desperately need you also to continue to shepherd and love and pray for us. It's a win-win, and it's all done by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit because he is the source of this ministry. The source of the ministry of the word, the power that we get out there in the Sunday school class, when, and Pastor Mike or Mr. H or whoever else is teaching on Wednesday night or Jason and Kids Club or Wednesday night verse by verse or in your life group or in your Bible study or right now is... The value will be the Holy Spirit is working using an imperfect messenger, using a perfect word to do something, not just in your mind, but yes, in your mind, but in your heart, in your value system, in what you learn, love and desire. And I pray that while you're sitting here one of these days and while you're standing there singing one of these days, we, we just heard it and sang an unbelievable sermon when we sang all-sufficient merit. Unbelievable. I'm going to mention that in just a minute. 
Can you imagine or think of anything more grand, important, weighty, and majestic than the fact that we've all been called by God to this ministry of the Word? God has equipped us and is equipping us to do what He calls us to do. And so do we as members, attenders, Christians, do we study, invest, volunteer, dig into God's Word like we actually know He's called us? The triune God, the Holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has called you to this work. And number five, I want you to see the content or the content of the ministry of the Word. You see, the faithfulness of the minister or servant is measured by the content of his message. If you were to read the book of Acts or the New Testament letters, what is the message? And what is the message we see in this chapter? Let's see what he says in verse 21. He says, I was testifying... What did I do in teaching in public and in house to house? I was testifying, verse 21, of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I hope you'll hear that ringing in the tone. Jason rang it into the tone of our confession this morning. We sing it in our songs. I must preach it week after week. Repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That there is only salvation in one way. It's through Jesus Christ. And he has called everyone to turn away from their own thinking of who God is and embrace who God really is and turn away from their sins and embrace the perfect gift of righteousness in Christ. And you can't do that unless you actually have faith. And who do you have faith in? Not yourself, not faith in faith, but in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who came and he died for you to pay for your redemption. He says in verse 24, to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Verse 25, we've gone about proclaiming the kingdom. In verse 27, declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I pray that we together, week after week, day after day as a church, year after year, will walk down the redemptive path and road of the whole counsel of God, the gospel. And that path is at least twofold. God is holy, and sin is a great violation against him with serious consequences. And grace is always available. It's amazing and abundant and is provided through Jesus Christ our Lord. And declaring the whole counsel of God is the idea of what does this book say from Genesis to Revelation about his big picture? What does he call us? This book, all of it, is about Jesus Christ. It's centered, the whole counsel of God is centered in that God has sent his son to redeem sinners. I'm going to come back to the content here in just a minute. But I want us to, to look at the value of this, the value of the ministry of the word. I want you to see Paul's value talk as he talks. Verse 20, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that's profitable. Oh, this is profitable. Getting up and driving in your car, listening to the word of God is profitable. Hearing it being taught 
is profitable, even if you don't always feel like it's profitable. It's profitable meaning for your soul to believe in God, to understand and to live a life of trusting in God and turning from your sin. Learning all that God intends for you to understand about himself so that you can be equipped to do what God wants for you to do in your life. He says in verse 28... You are overseers to care for the church of God. What? With God's word. You are to care. I am to care for you with the ministry of teaching this book. Verse 26, he says something strange. I wonder if you caught it as I've read it the last two weeks. He says, I am innocent of the blood of all because I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. This is a reference from Ezekiel chapter 36 in which a watchman is called. And he says if a watchman is called to watch for an enemy that's going to come with the sword, and if the watchman stays awake, and if the watchman sees the enemy come with the sword for judgment against the city, and he sees it and he cries out to the city and says, watch out, the enemy's coming, hide, flee, escape, find rescue and salvation. If he does that and you just sit there and everybody sits there and doesn't heed the warning... His blood isn't on, on his hands. He's done his job. Their blood is on their own hands. They didn't heed the warning. But if they see the enemy coming and they don't say anything, they're guilty of blood. And Paul is saying, I was so faithful in committing to tell every one of you that unless you repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, While you will be saved if you do that, if you do not do that, you will be justly condemned because of your sin and be under the wrath of a holy God in which you deserve. And he did it over and over again, day and night, continually pleading with them so that he could say to them, I want to tell you, I've been faithful. If you go to hell, it wasn't because I was asleep on watch. I was not ignoring or shrinking back from declaring to you all that you needed to hear, even all the unpopular stuff that makes you feel guilty and bad about yourself for a while so that you could feel great forever. That is the ministry that really all of us parents need to have towards our children. All of us need this kind of mindset and passion and heaviness. You see how valuable and weighty and important This word is so much so that he says, elders, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace that is able to build you up and prepare you for an inheritance. This word builds you up and prepares you. Friends, there is no remedy in heaven or earth like the one I'm talking to you about this morning. There's no source of healing for the proud like this, for self-righteousness, for, for miserable hypocrites like you and I can be, for the ever-striving but ever-failing legalists that are among us, for those who are sin-plagued, enslaved to habits, addictions, and destructive behaviors, codependencies, for the person who wrestles daily, if not hourly, with persistent guilt and it's killing you. There is no cure like this one that heals the brokenhearted and secures the insecure and befriends the lonely and softens the hardened heart and puts back 
together those who are devastated and brings peace where there was no peace. There is no drug or counsel or therapy that can produce results like this to heal depression and give sustaining grace to those who have depression, anxiety, and despondency. There is no friend, no counselor, no drink or drug or food or relationship or active pleasure or hobby or exercise, media star. There's no activity that can bring what this cordial of life can bring to us. Every earthly comfort that we can go after, whether it is the wealth of Elon Musk or the popularity of our latest hero, is vanity and complete nothingness without the centrality of the message of this ministry of the word. And I'm speaking about the gospel of the grace of God. It's good news. That's what gospel means. All other messages are counterfeit and will do the opposite of what they promise. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the source of our life and peace and mercy and joy and pleasure and hope and gratitude and purpose and relationship and freedom and comfort and security and eternity. And the gospel is not this repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the whole counsel of God, the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that he testified is not just the ABCs of the Christian life and you just move on from there and let's go to big adult stuff now. We've moved away from the gospel. No, it is the A to Z of the Christian life. It's not just the front room of becoming a Christian and then you get into the other rooms of the house. It is the entire house of a Christian. The gospel is our life and it is it is the mantra, the motto, the calling, the message of faith, Church of Linden, because it is of the Bible. And it's all centered on one person, Jesus Christ, a Savior who we sang about, sing about, and must sing about forever. Perhaps you're here today feeling good about yourself. And I want you to say that's good and well, depending on the source of your feeling good and the source of your comfort. Do you believe that God owes you a good life? Do you feel angry or betrayed by God when bad things happen? As though you deserved otherwise? Maybe you guys come here this morning feeling guilty or unworthy to worship or are painfully preoccupied with a particular habitual sin. Are you discouraged by your failures? Is there something in your past you just can't get over? I have good news for you. I have the gospel. We have the gospel. It is central to this church, and it must be central to our lives. It's, it could be said in so many different ways. You could take your hand out with five fingers. Christ died for our sins. I know it's, more, not, it's not as simple as that because there's explanation that goes on. It could be answered with four kinds of questions. Who is God? Why are we in this mess? What did Christ do? And how do I get to God? Well, who is God? He is holy and glorious and made you, and he made you to know and love him. He calls you to relate and have a relationship with him, but why are we in this mess? 
Oh, because we, are, we have rebelled and we have turned away from him and want to do our own thing and not submit to him. And that is a big deal. And he calls us to repentance towards him. So what did Christ do? God, though absolutely holy and justice and righteous, is also good and loving and merciful and sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. He became, lived a perfect life, lived and died on a cross in some amazing way that's hard to even comprehend. He paid for the sins of all who would put their trust and faith in him. And how do we get to God? Well, we repent we sang it already, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. I don't come with my works, I don't come with anything of my own, I come empty to him and I grab hold of his gift of mercy and I have the faith in him that he will save me. Oh, that we would give ourselves, Faith Church, not just elders or pastors, all of us to the ministry of the word. You are called to the ministry of the word. Let me, let me just finish by saying three ways. How do I give myself to the ministry of the word? Support your church and elders. This is not just a pitch to get more support and have you give more or attend more. But do that. <laughs> give to us. Give to the ministry of the Lord. Give to missionaries. Pray for us. I'm so, th- I'm so thankful that so many of you do all of the time daily. Encourage your elders. Listen to them. Grow from them. Be taught by them. Devote yourself, number two, to the receiving of the ministry of the word. Attend the ministry of the word. Not just Sunday mornings, but yes, on Sunday mornings. Preparing your heart to hear it. And come looking for a blessing. Come asking God for a blessing. And meditate on what is being preached and taught. And lastly, join the ministry of the word. You did that already this morning as you sang to me about the gospel. As we sang, all sufficient merit, I heard you. I needed you to sing the gospel to me. Thank you. You know, you probably did that to someone else as well. Do you realize that we're called to that when we gather? We are doing the ministry of the word as we sing to each other. Join the ministry of the word by speaking the truth in love this week. Learning this book and going to this book Read this book this week and find something that you cherish about what God has promised you and share it with others so that you might encourage and help them this week. Some of you will be future elders, men. There are, there are young men in this church that I think God is right now stirring to say, oh, I long to go after that. I long to be equipped to grow, to be a specific shepherd called to minister the word in a particular focused way. Can I just ask this? Children's ministry? If you're not sure, and I think that there is a need for more teachers on Sunday morning when they, we dismiss the kids, 
possible fill-ins for Sunday school, Wednesday night help, and others. Definitely ministry in the nursery. It's a big deal. It's a beautiful, beautiful calling. Would you prayerfully, prayerfully pursue joining the ministry of the word? Would you pray with me? God, I pray that you would help us all to hear what the Apostle Paul said to the elders as he was wrapping up. Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. I pray that we would all, God, there are, there are a lot of young people that are in the youth group, and then a lot of them that are just going off and finishing the youth group and heading off into adulthood. I pray that you'd grip them so much by your word. I pray that you would work in all the parents and seniors, that you would, we would be commended to God in the word of his grace, which is able to build us up and to give us an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Oh God, help us to love and cherish and treasure your word and be joyful and lively and Enriched by you, people, servants, Bible people that are joyful and happy and life-giving because of your grace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.